Welcome to the seminal episode of Tales from the Gatekeeper. I am your host, the Gatekeeper. I have made it my mission to ensure that the goth scene is safeguarded from misinformation, commodification, and posers of all stripes. However, all gates serve two purposes, to keep people out and to let people in. On this podcast, I help baby bats to make sense of the barrage of often conflicting information online so that they may confidently delve into the lugubrious depths of goth while avoiding certain preventable errors. So join me as we peer into the rich and storied history of real goth. The gate is kept, but open to all seeking knowledge. While the initial use of the term gothic rock can be traced back to a review of The Doors by music critic John Stickney in 1967, the general consensus is that goth rock proper emerged over a decade later with the release of Bella Lugosi's Dead by the English band Bauhaus in 1979. While goth draws on a variety of cultural and subcultural ephemera, it is widely considered among participants to be a music-based subculture. There is some serious discussion both within academia and the subculture itself as to whether or not goth constitutes a culture all its own, but we shall leave that aside for now. I'm going to briefly go over some influential bands from each period and discuss the so-called waves of goth music. To begin with, goth came from punk. This is not to say that other influences were not drawn on. Bela Lugosi's Dead is essentially a dub song to begin with. After punk, we naturally had post-punk. While post-punk is a wide-ranging genre, with some bands going in completely different directions unrelated to our present discussion, for the purpose of this podcast, we shall use post-punk as a jumping-off point into goth proper. Post-punk is a far more introspective genre than its older brother, and it is here that we find many of the well-known first-wave goth bands, such as Bauhaus, Susie and the Banshees, The Cure, The March Violets, The Chameleons, The Comsat Angels, The Mission, Clan of Zymox, Exmal Deutschland, and Skeletal Family. Complicating matters further is the emergence of death rock out of the L.A. punk scene around the same time. This occurred independently, and although quite different musically from post-punk, death rock is still considered goth music proper by most subcultural participants. Influential bands include 45 Grave, Christian Death, Rudimentary Peni, and Super Heroines. Other notable first-wave bands, which were more fully goth rock than post-punk, include the Sisters of Mercy, Alien Sex Fiend, Fields of the Nephilim, and Nosferatu. The second wave lasted from 1989 to 1999 and includes bands such as Corpus Delecti, Big Electric Cat, Children on Stun, Eyes of the Nightmare Jungle, Diva Destruction, and Screams for Tina. The third wave began in 1999 and lasted until around 2009. It includes acts such as Zadera, Plastic Noir, Solemn Novena, and Snake Dance. The present wave, from 2009 to the present includes bands such as Visborg, Molchatama, Deceit, This Cold Night, Ploho, Her Despair, and Lesser Care. 
There are, of course, a myriad of bands which I did not have time to include in this brief summary, but this should give you at least a brief overview of goth bands from the inception of the subculture to the present. There are quite literally thousands upon thousands of acts to explore. Um, some other honorable mentions I want to drop that um, are a little more local. For example, Prison Shade from Ottawa, Breeding Ground from London, Ontario, and National Velvet from Toronto. And it is also worth noting that many of the first and second wave goth bands made music during the other time periods, and some are even still making music to this day. Sophia, maybe tell us a little about yourself um, and how you got into goth. My name is Sophia. Um, I've been in the goth scene for not very long. Uh, I think about two years now. I First time I went to a goth night was with one of my co-workers. She's the one that um, introduced me to the goth scene when I found out that she was goth. I got overly excited because at that point I didn't know any other people that liked the same music that I liked in real life. Of course there's people online like that but can't really talk to them face to face. But you said you were you were already interested in goth beforehand, like you got oh, yeah. excited when your coworker. Yeah, so I found out about goth music online. Um, funnily enough, uh, a lot of the goth music that I first started listening to, I found on TikTok, which is embarrassing, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, so first, I got into like Russian post punk because. I am Russian and uh, my parents, especially my mom, she introduced me to a lot of the music, like Russian music from the 80s and 90s. And, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it is similar to like gothic post-punk sort of music, I think. Right, Duncan? You're the expert here, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I, I'd say there's, there's, there, there's definitely a similarity between bands like, you know... And um, like Joy Division, or or like, um, you know, it's less like Joy Division. I'd say more like, yeah, Comsat Angels. I wouldn't call uh like Russian post-punk music really goth though, because it's a it has nothing to do with the scene really. And uh, depending on the music, actually, like the bands from the eighties, from the like USSR, those really don't have anything to do with. Um, the goth scene because the goth scene was pretty much inexistent in the USSR. <laughs> it pretty much isn't literally inexistent. Yeah, so anyway, um, and that's where I first got introduced to um, the goth scene was at Swizzles with one of my friends from work, and that's where I met you. And then since then, it has been a lot of goth music, <laughs> which has been very good. Yeah, since I got introduced to the goth scene and, like, actual people in the Ottawa goth scene, it's uh, not a big group of people, but there's still enough people to talk to and talk about music and 
find new bands and such things. It's interesting because you you mentioned the Russian post-punk bands because right now there are a lot of very big Russian post-punk bands even in the Western scene, like especially bands like Molchatoma. Like when we went to see them, they had sold out a venue okay. the same size as the that cult. Is, that is because they're... One of their um, songs got really popular on TikTok. Funnily enough, it's the song about suicide. And you just, you know, you search up that uh, song by that band in TikTok. And there's just a bunch of, like, teenage girls doing, like, dress-up videos and dancing to the song. Having no idea what they're talking about in the song. And the song is literally about hanging yourself. Um, which is pretty funny <laughs> to me anyway so it is like i i hate the fact that tiktok is the way that a lot of people have found out about these bands because i think that app is uh, really good at misleading people um about things <laughs> well i think it's also interesting because goth has never been this accessible to a lot of people but in being this accessible to so many people, it's in a way lost its uh, punkness. Does that make sense? I mean, uh, I would agree to a certain extent. The, the The thing I think is it's just proliferated a lot more people who are... Like, when I say that goth is accessible, it is. Because there are resources to find out. But you have to sort through... Just so much nonsense. So much bullshit. As I feel bad for the people in the teenage age group because, again, to find this subculture and to find the true meaning, I suppose, in the goth subculture, you have to go through so much bullshit, through so much misinformation, and through so many obnoxious, stupid people that tell you it's all about the style. Or that it's only about the music and the style doesn't matter at all when, in truth, it's a, a amalgamation of many things that are all very important. And it's important not to miss any of it. Do you think that this sort of misinformation is any sort of threat to the scene itself? Or, or do you think that it's going to be sort of similar to the way it was where... Like, in the 90s, you had the Mansonites, and in, in... I mean, there was always, like, things and other groups of people that were, quote, threatening <laughs> the goth subculture, like, the emos, the e-girls, all this uh, nonsense, and, you know, I honestly, I, I truly believe in my heart that goth is stronger than that. I mean, hey, the culture is still here, it's still going strong. And I actually think there's been quite a revival with it. With in the music subculture, the fact that you know Susie performed, went on a tour for the first time in how long? Uh, she had not performed since two thousand and eleven, yeah. I believe, yeah. in Japan. And you know, like the fact that the Cure is still going. Bauhaus is still going. Not, no, Bauhaus. No, Bauhaus is not. No, Wait. Love and Rockets. Love and Rockets. Are, well, yeah, okay. Well, Peter Murphy is still making music. <laughs> He's still doing math and getting arrested. Well, that's Peter Murphy for you. What can you do? 
you know, Andrew Eldridge. He might be bald, but he's still doing shows. <laughs> You're really upset about that. <laughs> he had great hair. I'm sorry, but the the fact that he doesn't have hair anymore is really sad. That's that's fair. I mean, Nick Fiend doesn't have hair anymore, but he just looks like Uncle Faster. <laughs> what do you what do you think the jump is like for someone who? is young who is just getting into the scene and who has discovered the music to finding out what goth actually is. Do you, do you think that there's any kind of significant barrier there? Or I mean, do you it's think all that... the, it's just all the misinformation online, right? Like, you can search up goth in so many different, you know, search engines, apps, whatever, and so many uh, questions, I mean, answers, well, questions and answers will come up and you have to go through all this bullshit and then you have to decide what you think is true. You know, that's not really a thing that happened back in the day before you would, you know, you would go to clubs and you would talk to people in the clubs and there was a lot less information being hurled at you. And I think in a way that's good because there was less confusion and, you know, there was less... I mean, it's also the fact that people online, they're a lot more comfortable saying whatever the fuck they want because it's all anonymous, you know, so a lot more people are more comfortable being hateful and people being misleading. And yeah, for like this generation, it's difficult to really get to the truth. And I think the only way really to get to the truth is to talk to people, you know, face-to-face at goth events, goth uh, clubs, things like this. And it's difficult to go to those things right now because, one, I think younger people right now are not very comfortable with being social all the time because so much of our life is spent online and not talking to anybody whatsoever. And with the past few years with the lockdowns, people, you know, people really didn't talk much and people went online to sort of fill that social need because people are social animals. And, you know, the online um, world, I guess you could call it, it's really not equivalent to -to face-to-face interactions. So... For younger people to go to clubs and to talk to a lot of the time older people because people in the goth scene do tend to be older. It is difficult for younger people, I believe. And also it's the fact that right now after the lockdowns, a lot of these, uh, you know, goth clubs, uh, goth venues, they've closed down because nobody was going to them. And, you know, these places do have to have uh, make money somehow, obviously. So it's difficult to find these places, especially in places like, uh, like you know, smaller towns or even Ottawa, because, good lord, is Ottawa horrible for the gossip? <laughs> there's what, like one club in the whole city? No, 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 there's two. Oh, there's two now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also it's the fact that uh, even when you do go to goth clubs, um, well, I've only ever really been, well, I've only ever been to goth clubs in Ottawa, and in Ottawa, you can't, it's, there's no goth 
specifically goth night, you know, when they only play goth music. Um, I mean, goth and industrial has always been, uh, has been close buddies. <laughs> I don't know if they were close buddies, but like, you know, yeah. they always share venues at clubs. There's usually people playing, um, or DJs playing, uh, goth and industrial. But for people, younger people starting to get into goth music, going to goth clubs, it's, uh, you know, a lot of places advertise places as goth. You're just talking about <laughs> release the bats. Yes, I am. That was so disappointing. That was sad. Oh my god, why did they do Susie like that? You know, for people that like goth music, hearing something like industrial and thinking, this is a goth night, this must be goth music, this is shit, I don't like this at all. But it's not goth, it's industrial. And a lot of the time, it's not even the good industrial, it's the really bad industrial. <laughs> That's basically just like... There's no substance to it, it's just boring and loud and obnoxious. Anyway. <laughs> well, I think I think that works both ways, because on the other hand, you also get people who mistakenly think that's goth and like it. Yeah. You know? And again, there's nothing wrong with liking industrial music. If you like industrial music, more power to you. Just don't call it goth, because it's not. It's industrial. It's a completely different genre of music. They might be played at the same clubs and, uh, you know... A lot of the people that listen to these different types of music might be friends, but it's still different music, and it's important to differentiate the different types of music. Well, and one thing I, I notice, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're more knowledgeable about the sort of internet aspect of it, but do you think that... So, essentially, what I see is online very different types of music are mistakenly conflated with goth. Oh, absolutely. You know, online absolutely. it's 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 much more like um like people think that emo or pop punk or whatever the fuck genre of music all those rappers with little at the beginning of their name saying but in whereas in in person it's because none of that's played at actual goth nights. I think like, I know why that is, though. I think I have a I have a theory about yeah. why that is. Yeah, I think a lot of the people that listen to this sort of music, they like the goth style. You know, the goth fashion. So, you know, the people they might dress like goths. They might have the style, but if they don't listen to the music, and they're not part of the subculture, you can't call them goth. They're not goth at all. But the fact that people that dress like this listen to this sort of music, I think uh, it's it's not completely unexpected, I suppose, that people will misunderstand and misname. Well, and I think that the other thing to keep in mind is that I don't I don't think your average person, like especially in a place like Ottawa knows what a goth even really looks like other than like <clears throat> other than the most generic sort of oh like what goths dress in black yeah you know Have like that piercings dyed hair yeah but 
those things have become a lot more mainstream, you know, it, like, yeah. it's, um, and, and, and plenty of subcultures wear black, um, plenty of people who have no subcultural affiliation whatsoever wear black. And cause I look at, you know, something like the e-girls and I'm like, that doesn't, to me, doesn't look goth at all. You know, it's the fact that something may be monochromatic doesn't make it goth, but it seems to me that instead, but, but normal sort of your, your average sort of normie wouldn't know that they would think that like, Oh, black, black is the goth color. Yeah. And I've also, I've also noticed just that there isn't really a lot of awareness of goth as anything other than a sort of cultural archetype where people think that goth is anyone who is sad or, or dwells on, on, on darker things or is dressed in a dark way sartorially. I think it's also the fact that so many people now are so chronically online and, you know, like you're online, you come across certain things and you'll watch like a few videos about a certain subject and you think or you get the idea that oh well you know something about this subject you know like oh well now I know the subject that means I can talk to people about it I can uh, you know you start making assumptions and you might watch a few videos, but one, you don't generally know if those videos are legitimately well-researched, if the person actually knows what they're talking about, or if they're just spewing their ideas as facts. And I think a lot of the times, these sort of people that, you know, they just like talking about their ideas people but they don't specify that it's just their idea so they talk about it as uh, the the truth and a lot of people just assume that they know what goth is and then they feel comfortable coming up to a person and you know just assuming things about them because you know they spent like five minutes watching a video on YouTube about goth and and so how would you recommend that baby bats find the resources that are more reputable talk to people talk to actual people at goth events goth clubs at goth shows talk to actual people and <laughs> how would beings. you but but like let's assume that someone it's a lot easier to tell if somebody's bullshitting when you're uh, talking to them face to face Rather than an edited video. But how but how about if people you know, if they don't have a local scene or, you know, they can't find it, how would you recommend that somebody start mm. out with that? I guess I guess you would have to well, a very important part is to do actual research about the history of goth. Goth music has punk roots. Well, it came from punk. It's important to understand where the punk movement came from, how that translates to goth, and the sort of bands that were very important in the goth scene and that are still important to this day. 
for example, The Cure, Susie, and the Banshees. <laughs> Bauhaus, you know, all the all the very big goth groups that everybody's tired here of hearing about. <laughs> Not because they're bad, they're absolutely amazing, but because these are the bands that everybody mentions when talking about goth. It's always Bauhaus, Susie Sue, um, The Cure, Sisters of Mercy. I think that's the big four. Because there is genuinely a lot of good sources and a lot of good books that you can find online. It's just, don't go into, like, don't go into, like, Reddit or Instagram. Because Instagram's just gonna show you pretty pictures. And Reddit's gonna give you bullshit upon bullshit upon more bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. And do try to look for a scene in your area. No matter how small the area might be. There might always be a little little goth creeping around. And if you don't don't have a scene in your area, just find a park bench and, like, loiter there. Uh, To remind people of the existence of goth. And make sure that you leave cigarette butts littered everywhere to mark your territory. Exactly. Thank you for listening to this seminal episode of Tales of the Gatekeeper. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed our discussion with Sophia. Join us next episode where we will be sitting down with yet another guest to discuss the role that fashion plays in the goth subculture and navigating some of the social vagaries surrounding that. As always, I am the gatekeeper. Have a pleasant night. Mm